What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me today on the other end of the line is my longtime co-host, Curtis. And guys, I can't believe it's time for this, but our first game is less than a week away. We're talking mere days away. The long offseason, the months and months of trying to find anything to occupy our time, to distract us while we very impatiently await the return of football. Well, all of that is over. It's go time. And today we have our very first game preview of the 2019 season as we do our best to get you ready for our week one matchup in Nashville against the Vanderbilt Commodores. It's literally days away. Cannot wait. Uh, But before we break down this game, we do quickly want to remind everyone out there about our premium content on Podbean. Yes, we will continue to post one free show each week. And right now, uh, the plan is for that show to be the weekly game recap show that'll be out uh, late Sunday, early Monday. But to get access to all of our other premium content, you will need to subscribe on Podbean for only $3 a month. That gets you access to everything we produce. If you enjoy this show and want access to all of our future game preview shows, which we do try to make the most in-depth that you will find anywhere out there for uh, for Georgia football games, uh, if you are, uh, want access to our listener mailbag shows, to our game picks episodes, and everything else that we produce, all you need to do is go to Podbean and search for Glory UGA, or I think it's actually easier if you're on Twitter, to just go to our Twitter page, which is at glory underscore UGA, click on the little profile link uh, that's there, and then once you do that, it'll take you straight to our Podbean page. You click on the the little yellow Buy Now button on the right side of your screen. I would encourage you, just a little tip here if you're interested, I would encourage you to to do that on a computer because I don't believe the Podbean app or mobile site will let you subscribe. Um, I think you have to do that on the computer. So uh, try out the computer. That should uh, help you out there. Uh, And you have an annual or monthly option to choose from. There is a small discount if you go with the annual subscription but whatever works for you we know some people like monthly some like to go ahead and just pay in one lump sum whatever works for you uh, it's good for us Uh, if you go with the monthly option please make sure to select the glory uga monthly premium content subscription to get access to everything then all you gotta do is type in your info and then voila you are good to go the whole process i mean seriously guys it takes like one to two minutes if that and you are, are set up to get all of our content throughout what we hope is a season to remember. We'll see. A lot of football left to play, but hope we hope it's a season to remember. Uh, and guys, like we know there are some free UGA podcasts to listen to, and they all do a fantastic job. They're all great, no doubt about it. But we do our best. We try our best to give you something different in the form of the most in-depth, hardcore Georgia football content you're going to find. As as much X's and O talk as you're going to find anywhere out there when it comes to the Georgia football program. At least that's the goal. Uh, so if you like the show and you want to be able to access more of it, just give it a shot. I think, you, I think you'll end up enjoying it. But all right, let's go ahead and move on and talk some football, man. It is football season. It's time to talk some ball. And it's a, it's a rare season opening conference game. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think it's the first such game for our program since 1995, I want to say. Uh, but regardless, our boys are heading to Nashville this weekend to kick off the season against, uh, I, w- I would call them an improving Vanderbilt program. Is that fair, Kurt, to at least call them improving? Uh, maybe you could just say this is probably one of the better teams he's had. You know, they'll okay. have a doubt. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, like, and the reason I say that they're improving, I think you're right. It could be one of the better teams that Mason's had. Uh, we say that because it's a program that has gone bowling in two of the last three seasons. Uh, and I know that's not something that you know every team measures themselves by, but a team like a program like Vanderbilt, that is, that is a measuring stick for them, just getting to a bowl. They made one two last three years, haven't won one of them, but 
Um, they, they got close last year against Baylor. That was actually one of the better games of the bowl season. Um, they've also actually beat their in-state rival, Tennessee, three straight times for the first time since, get this, man, 1923 through 1926. Last time they beat Tennessee three straight times. What does that say about Tennessee? You know what I mean? Like that's uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard to have something nice to say at that point. I mean, that's what I mean. I'm I'm bad at math. Like ninety years, like that's ninety plus years. That's crazy. It's a long time. Uh, and, and Vanderbilt has some very good players. Uh, not all up and down the roster, but they do have some very talented players that could cause us uh, some issues of sorts on Saturday. It's possible. Um, and as we like to do uh, with uh, with our show here when we do the, the breakdowns, uh, we're going to uh, start on the off- offensive side of the ball uh, with our Week 1 opponent, the Vanderbilt Commodores. And uh, Week 1 games, uh, really, when you when talk about Week 1 games against Power 5 opponents, it's like for me, they're always tough to get a handle on. Like You know the personnel for each team. You know what they've done in years past, and, and you can kind of make an educated projection as to how much each player is going to improve. You can kind of project that forward a little bit. You can kind of project what the team's strengths and weaknesses are going to be. Uh, but since you haven't actually seen this team play, like this version of whatever team you're playing, in this case Vanderbilt, it really is just an educated projection. There is no t- no tape on this 2019 Vanderbilt team. There's tape from last year, but not this year. We have stats from last year, but nothing for this year. So we don't really know exactly what they're going to be like. We have an idea, but we don't really know, especially when you have two teams who are each breaking in new offensive coordinators, promoting from within both teams, but still new offensive coordinators, new guys calling plays. So you you just don't know. Um, But we're going to do our best to give you what we do know. And uh, let's start with some offensive stats from the 2018 season. Um, that'll at least give us a baseline from which to operate. Uh, and if you look at last year's Vanderbilt offense, like last season offensively for them was a significant improvement over the previous year. Uh, last year, they were 10th in scoring offense in the SEC at 28.5 points a game. Um, to, and that's an improvement from 2017. It's not great, but there, it was up from 24.6 points in 2017 and 23 points in 2016. Uh, so up from the previous two seasons. Actually, 28.5 points a game for them uh, was their most points of average per game since 1950. Like that, isn't that crazy, Kurt? It is. Like I mean, 1950? It shows, I mean, realistically, that they haven't built, been built around offense consistently as they have been lately. No, I think you're exactly right. Um, and kind of moving on here, uh, in 2018, they were 59th in total offense, averaging 411 yards a game, which was, again, their most since 1974 this time. Um, and that's an improvement over, over where they were in 2017. They were 102nd nationally in total offense with 350 yards a game that year. 2016, um, just about the same 110th nationally at 355 yards a game. So it was a big jump up over 400 yards a game last year for them. Uh, they were 21st uh, nationally in yards per play. They were actually fourth in the SEC in yards per play. So they didn't put up a ton, necessarily as many yards as other teams, but I think as a function of what kind of offense they ran. It was more of a ball control style offense, downhill rushing attack, trying to hit you vertically down the field, a lot like us actually. So they, uh, they actually gained a lot of yards per play, just didn't run as many plays. Uh, they were ninth in the league in rush offense, 167 yards a game. They were sixth in passing offense in the league, also sixth in completion percentage. Uh, they were also top 50 nationally in offensive first down rate, which to me is a really good measure of efficiency. Uh, so they were a, a rather efficient offense last year. Now, this is Vanderbilt we're talking about, Curtis. We know that they are not exactly a recruiting powerhouse. We know that their roster is not as talented from top to bottom as most and really, I would say almost any other SEC foe we're going to face throughout the year. But make no mistake about it. They might not be as talented as everyone else, but this team has some playmakers. So, Curtis, I'm going to start here. 
Who are the players on this Vanderbilt offense that we need to be aware of? Um, right away, you have to jump at the uh, three skill set players in yeah. uh, running back Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, wide receiver Kalash Lipscomb and tight end Jared Pickney. I mean, right away, those are the three names that jump out at you the most. I think you're absolutely right, man. Like, you hit the nail on the head there. These are the three guys that you have got to watch out for. Now, the rest of the offense, are they overly talented? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, they have maybe a... a C.J. Bolar is another option out, out wide, but he was a true freshman last year. Did a good job, but he's not a game-breaker yet, right? Yeah, and then you also have, I believe, is Abdul... Or no, Amir Abdur-Raham yeah. um, will probably be, I think he could be a weapon. But outside those, the main three, no one's really proven. Yeah, 100%. But and, but the thing is, like those three that you mentioned, Keyshawn Bonnet running back, Jerry Pinkney at tight end, and Kalijah Lipscomb receiver, those are three dudes. And Vanderbilt's got them. And Vanderbilt doesn't have players like that often. Sometimes they have a guy here or there, a Jordan Matthews here or there, a Jay Cutler at quarterback, but they don't put guys together like that. But they've got them this year. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, like, I mean, Curtis, is it, a, we've talked about him a little bit in the offseason. Is it too much of a stretch for me to say that at the very least he's as good as any other back in this league? Um, Not really. I mean, he does it with a lot less, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, this guy, like, when I... I, when I watched this team play, and you know he was hurt off and on last year. Now, through the first uh, eight games of the year, he only had more than 11 carries one time through the first eight games. And uh, I think the most he had was like, or, I'm sorry, he was averaging 61 yards a game through the first eight games. But man, the final five, they unleashed him. He got healthy, and they just cut him loose. The final five games of the year, he averaged 150 yards a game rushing, 9.34 yards a carry. Uh, and three of those games were for 172 yards, 182 yards, and then 243. He bust off like two like 65-plus-yard touchdown runs in the bowl game against Baylor. I mean, I've watched this guy play a couple times. They would have beaten Florida. They were, if you guys remember, they were beating Florida in the first half last year. It was a big brawl right before halftime. Keyshawn Vaughn got hurt late in that first half, did not play in the second half. I think that is why they ended up blowing that game against Florida. He was he was the difference there. When he was healthy, they were good. And when I watched him play, especially in that bowl game against Baylor, this dude is the real freaking deal. If you guys have never actually really sat down and watched this guy play, and he gave us some trouble in that first half last year uh, in Athens. Uh, but if you haven't watched this guy play, I'm telling you, man, it's not like if you've heard people talk about him, it's not just lip service. It's not people hyping up somebody who doesn't deserve it. This guy is legit. He runs with power. He's explosive. He had the same number of 10-plus uh, rushing yards or carries of 10 plus rushing yards last year as DeAndre Swift. He had 32 carries. Him and Swift led the league in 10 plus uh, yard carries last year. He is explosive and he's powerful. This dude is an NFL back. Over 1,200 yards rushing last year, pretty much eight yards a carry, which by the way is about a yard and a half more than than, uh, DeAndre Swift averaged last year. Um, He was number one in the league in yards per carry. This guy's legit. You gotta watch out for him. Um, now, could Jarrett Pinkney, Kurt, at tight end, like, is that a matchup you're concerned about? Like, do you think we have the, the linebackers and the safeties uh, to potentially match up with him in man coverage? Now, he honestly is probably the only one that I'm truly worried about because that's the one I agree. I don't know how much of a matchup we will have. It just depends on who we're going mean, we, to. For us, it's hard. Game one, like, we like we know who we have at linebacker, but how much is a guy like N'Kobe Dean going to play, right? Exactly, and that's the thing. I mean, you don't know. Who, I mean, maybe you put Tay Crowder on him as he's athletic and everything, but you don't really know. Yeah, and N'Kobe, like, we saw him in, I know it's G-Day, I don't want to draw too many conclusions off of, but that's what we've seen him, uh, it's the only thing we've seen him at here in Athens. But he was, you know, remember back to that curve, we were sitting there watching it together in the stadium. Uh, he was out there uh, pretty much for almost every third down in the number one defense, right, in, the, in dime situations? Yeah. Which would lead you to, to guess 
I mean, it would suggest that he's a guy that we trust out there in passing situations. Might be our third down linebacker. And so he's going to be, if he's healthy, that's the thing. Is he healthy, right? You know, it seems like he's got some sort of an ankle issue. He practiced on Saturday, uh, practiced yesterday. Is he 100%? We don't know. And if you're not 100% going against Jared Pinkney, I don't care how athletic you are. That's tough. That's a tough matchup. He's, he is a new age type tight end. Um, and he thought very serious about entering the NFL draft as well. I mean, if you look at Pinkney, you know, just put some numbers to it here. 50 catches last year, guys, 775 yards. Uh, total on the year, 15 yards a catch. Uh, to give you a comparison, if you're not too familiar with Jerry Pinkney, guys, with that, with those numbers, he was more productive than Irv Smith was for Alabama. Now, Irv Smith was pretty good, right, Kurt? Yeah. He was pretty good. So Pinkney is the leading returning, uh, receiving tight end in all the SEC this year, including Albert O. Um, he's a matchup problem. You're right. He's a guy that I'm still concerned about. Now, you mentioned Kalijah Lipscomb out wide. Um, does he, you didn't? Oh, you said the Pinkney's guy you're really worried about. So you're not... Overly worried about Lipscomb out wide? Um, no, I think Lipscomb's good. The one thing that re- I really noticed is how many his how many um, catch or passes he caught last year really dropped from his freshman year. And then also the one thing that really really stuck out at me was he only had two catches of twenty plus yards. So he's right. not exactly the most explosive back. He's more. I mean, he's de- probably the definition of a of possession a, receiver. Yeah, possession receiver. I mean, even. Even possession receivers like Riley Ridley and people like that who are, you know, where your sure hands got more than two 20 yard catches. Yeah, I, I actually, like, as, as as good as Kyle Schirmer was last year, uh, and as good as Lipscomb was and Pinkney was, I, would you, I wouldn't call them an explosive offense last year, would you? Um, I mean, not explosive. I mean, at times they would, but I mean, it was really only against certain teams. I think it was more in the running game. I think their run game was their explosiveness. Really, yeah, Keyshawn I mean, Vaughn. Yeah, if you saw any big plays, it really did come from the run game. I mean, you think about that Baylor game. They they made they made enough plays in the passing game, but it was Keyshawn Vaughn ripping off sixty plus yard touchdown runs. That, that's who it was. Uh, and so, Lipscomb, I think you're right. He's not necessarily a burner. He's a, he kind of reminds me of a Terry Godwin type guy, where he's maybe quicker than he is fast, which can be good for receivers getting in and out of breaks, uh, creating separation. Uh, he runs option routes well. He he does run, and I know it kind of kind of sounds cliche to say a guy that's not overly talented that runs good routes, but that's kind of how these guys get open. That's how you get on the field if you're not. An overly dynamic athlete, but Lipskin's a good player. Um, had all, just under a hundred, just under a thousand yards receiving last year, nine hundred sixteen. But you're right, only averaged ten yards a catch. That's not an explosive player or receiver, is it? No, certainly not. Uh, he did catch a lot though, eighty-seven catches on the year, but only nine hundred sixteen yards with eighty-seven freaking catches. Th- th- you're right, he's a hundred percent a possession receiver. Uh, I mean, Pinkney averaged fifteen yards a catch at tight end. Uh, then you got C.J. Bolar on the other side, uh, who was a true freshman last year. Put us some good numbers. 34 catches for 440 yards of the true freshman. who will be back this year. Give another option on the outside. Uh, so might be, see some, you know, if, if people try to double Pinkney or double Pink uh, or double uh, Lipscomb, then Bolar might see some more options there. But, Kurt, um, you're right. You point out the three big names there. Vaughn, Pinkney, and Lipscomb. But, dude, we got to move to the next next question. The clear question for this offense for me is, yeah, they have some playmakers offensively. But who in the world is going to be getting to the ball to those playmakers in the passing game? Um, now, if you listen to Kirby Smart's press conference, you heard him say he probably expects both guys that are competing. When you look at Riley Neal, the tra- grad transfer from, from Ball State, State, yeah, or Deuce Wallace, who was suspended all of last year, I believe. Yeah, so. he was. Um, so it's going to be between those two guys, but I think the biggest thing is I don't know. While Neil had decent numbers at Ball State, it also wasn't get against SEC defenses with the speed and everything. So I don't know. Um, you know, I think they're really going to miss Kyle Shermer's arm and accuracy. 
Yeah, that's a great synopsis there. I'm with you. I mean, you look at Kyle Schirmer last year. Uh, he wasn't, I wouldn't call him dynamic, but like he's got to be the best quarterback they've had since Jay Cutler, right? Uh, I, I, I don't think I could argue. With yeah, he's got to be. I mean, last year, I mean, his numbers were good. Uh, 62% completion percentage, a little over 3,000 yards, 7.7 yards per attempt. Again, not necessarily explosive in the passing game, but efficient. Uh, 24 touchdowns, 6 picks. He was the first 3,000-yard passer since Cutler in 2005. Uh, actually, I don't think it was Cutler that year. But it might have been Carter Samuels. Some, what, whoever it was. I forget who it was. But 2005, it's the first 3,000-yard passer since then. Uh, but you mentioned Riley Neal, the grad transfer from Ball State. Uh or Deuce Wallace, who's a redshirt junior from the Tennessee area. I forget how you say this. It's Seaverville, however you say that. I mean, I always forget it. Seaverville, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not good with that kind of stuff. Uh, at least pronunciations of words I'm not familiar with. Uh, but, like, if you had to – I think I think Kirby's probably right. You have to prepare for both guys to play. But do you think there's a guy who's got the leader in the clubhouse? I mean, I know that Mason's come out and said he's not naming a starter before the game, but do you have any read on who it might be to try out there first? Um, my guess probably Riley Neal. I think the biggest thing he has is the game action, and he's put in the numbers where Wallace has worked himself back and he's been in the system, but I still think that the experience that Neal has is more valuable than what Wallace has. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you're right, and like I'm the guy who actually, believe it or not, went back and put up as much tape as I could find on Riley Neal, put up games that he played against some Big Ten opponents in the past couple of years at, at Ball State. I actually pulled up the, the senior footage of Deuce Wallace in high school in Tennessee. So I tried to get more of a take of what these guys were like. And uh, so Neal, like right, he's the one with more playing experience. He's got 32 starts at Ball State, grad transfer. He's a big dude, 6'6", 225. Um, and I would classify him as like a solid player. Nothing particularly special. Uh, never threw for more than 2,500 yards uh, at, at Ball State. A career 60% passer, but only 6.1 yards in attempt. What does that tell you, Kurt? 6.1 yards in attempt? Um, more or less, uh, get, get rid of the ball quick. Yeah, he's not pushing the ball down the field. Uh, 46 touchdowns and 25 picks, so efficient but not dynamic. Uh, he's a good athlete and, and somewhat nimble for a guy his size, 6'6", dude. Uh, but I would call it kind of a lumbering movement out there. Um, but Ball State would run him in 2016 at 127 carries for 540 yards, eight touchdowns, run the football. He missed all 2017 and 18. He had 86 carries for 357 yards, rushing and five touchdowns. Uh, one thing that really stands out to me when you watch him, he moves well in the pocket. He manipulates the pocket well. He slides. He uh, moves up in the pocket well, creates throwing lanes. He does struggle with deep ball accuracy. He's good in the short to intermediate range, which would kind of go with the 6.1 yards per attempt. But I would probably go with him as a guy I think he's going to try it out there first and probably be their primary option. I do think that Deuce Wallace is going to play because I think he's enough of a different type player than Riley Neal. You watch Deuce Wallace, guys, and I, I was surprised when I pulled up his film or pulled up his tape. Um, he's 6'2", 205, and he is a true dual threat guy. Neal can run, but he's not a true dual threat guy. Um, he's kind of what I would call functionally mobile, whereas Wallace can run around. Like you watch Wallace's uh, senior highlights, there's a lot of Johnny Menzel in his game where he just runs around and tries to make things happen. A lot of scrambling, a lot of creative scrambling. Uh, in high school, they would move the pocket with him a lot to get him on the edges and give him some options out there. We could kind of a run-pass option, uh, an old-school run-pass option. I used to play like with, with when I had the NCAA football game here and, and with my PlayStation, but can't do that anymore. But uh, while he does have a lot of Johnny Menzel in his game, he does not have the Johnny Menzel skill set. Does that make sense, Kurt? Yeah. Like he tries to do the things Johnny Menzel did. That's kind of like what he models his game after, it seems like, but he's not that fa as fast, not as quick, and doesn't have as good of an arm. I would classify his arm based on what I saw. Now, that was three years ago. He's been around a while. Um, I would classify his arm as a pop gun arm. That's what I see. Um, he's thrown 22 passes in his career, 
completed 11 of them, so half of them, for only 94 yards passing. Um, athletic, decent speed, not overly fast. I will say it's an advantage in terms of knowing the system, but I still think that, that Neil's coming in. I think he's probably going to be the guy to start. I'm, not, I'm just going to go with the guy that has 32 starts under his belt over the guy with 22 career passes. So I'm with you there. Um, all right. So next up, real quick here, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, when we do this game preview episode or all these preview episodes, I always go back to the old coaching days and want to approach these episodes from that coaching perspective. I try to figure out what the opponent does best, what they want to do, and then try to determine how do we go about taking that away from them. It's what we used to call, and people still do, call uh, play, making your opponent play left-handed. Uh, so Kurt, what do we need to take away from Vanderbilt to make them play left-handed? I mean, honestly, I think you make them beat you with the passing game. Uh, you try to take Keyshawn Vaughn out of the game. Uh, uh, I think that's the. I, th- I really think that's the biggest weapon. You know, he's the home run threat. If you take him away and make them beat you with the passing, I still don't think that they have the explosiveness needed to really change the game. Uh, I I agree with you, man. I think when you watch this team play, that's what they do. I mean, look, Vanderbilt's offense in the Derrick Mason era under uh, offense coordinator Andy Ludwig has probably been the closest to our offense in terms of structure and philosophy in this league. Would you agree with me there? Yeah. When you watch this team play, they go with a lot of heavy jumbo looks. They motion and formation you to death. They want to establish the run game, attack downfield off play action, and stop me if that sounds familiar, right? Um, and Keyshawn Vaughn was a difference maker for them. Uh, to me, you know, Ralph Webb for years got all the pub for them, right? Yeah. But I was never impressed with Ralph Webb. Keyshawn Vaughn is a difference maker, man. Ralph Webb was okay. Vaughn is a difference maker. But Andy Lug with the offense corner, he, he has moved on. He's now at Utah uh, to replace him. Mason promoted their quarterback coach. Huh, sounds familiar, right? Uh, Jerry Godowski to their offensive coordinator. It's, he's entering his sixth season working with Mason now at Vanderbilt. So it strikes me as very similar to our situation. Uh, they they promoted Godowski uh, for continuity purposes because of familiarity, familiarity with the personnel, understanding of what Derek Mason wants to employ offensively. And I'm sure there's going to be some new wrinkles and some different tendencies. And that's going to be tough to get a handle on in game one. But I imagine, like, big picture, their offense is going to largely function the same way from a philosophical standpoint. So I, th- I think you're right. With a new quarterback, with Keyshawn Vaughn in the backfield, and, and in the context of what their identity on offense has been in the Derek Mason tenure, I think you have to load up to take the runaway, at least early, and see if Neal and or Wallace can make you pay. Now, that is complicated by the presence of Pinkney and Lipscomb uh, because those guys can make you pay outside. But I think this is where N'Kobe Dean, if healthy, Mark Webb and certain packages can really factor in in this game and matching up with Pinkney in the passing game. If they come out with heavy personnel, though, let's say 12 personnel, we got one running back, two tight ends with only two wide receivers, that could be a tough matchup for us. We're, gonna have to, we're probably going to have to match that with our base personnel uh, and take away the run. We need, we're going to have to bring a safety in the box, but that leaves someone in man coverage all alone there. So do you play man free with one deep safety? If you do, it's hard to double anyone outside. Uh, and Lipscomb could be a problem, uh, as could Pinkney if we we're playing man coverage all game long. So um, it, it just it's going to be interesting to see what we do here. Now, what I would do is I'd say come out and play some cover three match early. Gives you the best of both worlds. You can play man uh, on the wide receivers in your area. But with that cover three shell, that look, it allows you to get an extra safety involved in the run game and still be structurally sound against the pass. That's what I would look. So I would mix in some three match with a little bit of man under with some two safety, two high safety looks there to see what the quarterback can do. Start with that, see what they can do, and kind of just adjust from there. Um, it would be great, though, wouldn't it, Kurt, if the defensive line could just dominate? Uh, yeah, or especially, you know, um, our linebackers get some pressure, you know, have sure. Yeah, if, if we create that, that Havoc Kirby keeps talking about would be awesome in this game, right? Uh, because yeah. that could put them behind the chains, and this is not an offense that's built to play from behind the chains. 
Um, they want to stay on schedule. So if our defensive line can come to play, if we can get some of the pass rush there this game, then uh, then we could we could really take them out of their game. So that'd be ideal, but. If absent that, we haven't had that in, in the past couple of years. So absent that, I would go with a, a variety of looks there. I would, I'd probably go heavy with some, some very, I would go with a variety of cover three looks and really throw in a lot of cover three match. Um, so finally, Kerr, uh, on the Vandy offense, before we move on to the defense, in my mind, when talking about this Vandy offense and looking at the improvement that they did make a year ago, they did improve last year. They weren't great, but they improved. The big question coming into, into, into this year is, do you think that level of play is sustainable for Vanderbilt this season, or was it more of a flash in the pan last year? Um, offensively, um, I don't know if it's sustainable. I think the biggest reason I say that is they have not addressed their biggest problem, and that was the offensive line last year. And they actually lost quite a few starts. I believe, if I remember correctly, it was around 36 starts or so yeah. that they lost on the offensive line, or 34 games from 2018. And that was honestly their weakness last year. So you, you're taking away an experience yeah. that was bad to an inexperienced group. Absolutely, man. That's that's a great way to look at this. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. In my humble opinion, I, I don't believe that this is sustainable year in, year out for Vanderbilt. I think last year it was a confluence of events. You had a, you had a senior quarterback who was the best quarterback they've had in 15 years. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn is the best back they've had in, oh my God, I don't know how long. Um, you got Jerry Pinkney and Kalijah Lipscomb there. They had a bunch of weapons and all worked well together offensively for them. And yes, Keyshawn... also had a lot of people like Blossom Game and stuff that sure. helped Vaughn because he's not going to take every carry. Yeah, you got to watch it when he is in there, but he can't play every game. Yeah, he, he, right? he battled injuries last year, a lot like DeAndre Swift did. Yeah, that's a great point. So, and yeah, Vaughn is back, and, and he's the real deal. He is. But I can't get past the Shermer being gone. Are, are you with me there? Like, Shermer being gone is a big deal. Yeah, because teams were going to try to take Vaughn out, and then you still had to account for Shermer, who was an experienced and who could be dangerous quarterback. So, I mean, that, yeah. that can difference yeah i have serious questions about whether or not they can really like threaten defenses enough in the passing game this year without Shermer to the point where defensive coordinators are basically forced to change personnel and pull bodies out of the box like that opened up a lot of room for for Keyshawn Vaughn last year he's really good but that opened up a lot of room as their ability to hit plays in the passing game at least be competent enough there are they going to be competent passing the football this year they have the weapons outside but do they have the quarterback that remains to be seen we don't know We'll see. Um, but as good as he was last year, Keyshawn Vaughn's only going to be as effective as he, w- as he was last year if he has a lot of the same looks. And if they have more bodies in the box or the quarterback can't threaten anybody, um, that's going to be an interest- that's gonna be very interesting to see if he's as dominant as he was when he did get the football last year. Uh, but all right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. If you are not aware, guys, uh, Derek Mason is a defensive guy. This is a unit he takes pride in. He named himself defensive coordinator back in 2015 after the Vanderbilt defense just stunk it up in his first year as head coach. And he promptly... Uh, returned them back to respectability with a 33rd ranked unit in the nation in 2015, um, giving up only 350 yards a game. But from that point, that was the high point. It's kind of been a steady decline since then with a drop to 64th nationally in 2016 um, and then 65th nationally in 2017, giving up almost 400 yards a game. But the bottom just dropped out last year after he brought in Jason Tarver from the NFL and handed him the play-calling duties for the defense. Uh, last year, they were 99th nationally in total defense at 439 yards a game, 103rd nationally in yards per play. allowed. They, they allowed 6.1 yards per play last year. Uh, they were 94th nationally in rushing defense, getting just a hair under 200 yards a game, 106th nationally in rushing S&P defense. And by the way, like... For comparison's sake, for us last year, we ran for over 200 yards, 219 yards a game, or 219 yards against Vanderbilt last year, averaged 6.4 yards a carry in that game, and that was still with a not fully healthy DeAndre Swift. 
Um, and against the pass, they were 10th in the SEC, 85th nationally, giving up 244 yards a game uh, in the air. Uh, Fromm had a huge game against them last year, uh, efficient and dynamic, 17-23 for 276 yards, 12 yards in attempt, three touchdowns, no picks, a 95.2 QBR. A dominant performance by Jake Fromm against Vanderbilt last year. Uh, they were 10th in the league in scoring defense, gave up 26.6 yards per uh, per game. Their only saving grace was they didn't give a lot of big plays. They were 29th nationally in ISO PPP, which is an explosiveness measure. So, Kurt, I think the obvious question here is, can Derek Mason, in conjunction with defense coordinator Jason Tarver, get this defense back to respectability in 2019? They've never been great on D during Mason's tenure, but he at least had them at a respectable level. Can they get back there this year? Um, see, I'm not sure because last year one of their biggest problems was, that, especially on the defense line, they weren't as big as everyone else. Right. Um, now, I saw where Mason was saying that they've added some big bodies and that they have more depth. But realistically, he's relying on a grad transfer, a junior college transfer, and a true freshman. Between the JUCO and the true freshman, I don't know if you can really expect them to do much right away, especially, say, game one against us. I mean, let's be honest, we're one of the powers of college football right now. Can you really expect these guys to come in in their first game, be ready for what's about to hit them? I mean, think of all the guys that we've had. It's like Devontae White and stuff that are JUCO transfer-wise. It takes them a while to get used to SEC play just in general. No doubt. and then you're just asking from a true freshman. Um, I so I think that that's going to be their biggest problem. And I think that they finally have um, what they've been missing since Mason had a really good defense was a great linebacker. Yeah, uh, I, I, everything you said there is right. You're talking about Dimitri Moore, a linebacker? Yeah, and I think that he's probably their next standout that they haven't had in a while. Yeah. But then, um, I mean, you can only do so much when you don't have a good D-line to protect you. Yeah, 100%. And Dimitri Moore is an all-SEC freshman inside linebacker last year. Good player, really good player. But you're right, the defensive line is questionable. They were undersized last year. It might again be that way this year. But, man, like they were downright terrible last year. Like There's no getting around that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, even now, when you look at the back back end, they've lost players. uh, Jawan Williams, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they're – returning a lot to where especially offensively where you think that they can mask it with all explosiveness they don't have that defensively i'm 100 percent agreement man uh I, I i think people look at this and like as bad as they were last year people look at it on, on the service and they're like well they have to improve right like that's always the conventional wisdom they quote can't be worse than last year they quote have nowhere to go but up you hear that all the time but like Honestly, like you just laid it out there, Kurt, I have a tough time looking at this Vanderbilt defense saying they're going to be dramatically improved in 2019. They're losing six starters, uh, four to five of their top tacklers from last year, lose two out of their three starting linebackers off of a team that couldn't stop the run anyway, lose your top tackler and inside linebacker Jordan Griffin, lose your top tackle for lost man and Josh Smith. You mentioned Dimitri Moore, who was, an, who was an all-SEC freshman linebacker last year, really good player, do have him coming back. Uh, you mentioned Jawan Williams, who was their top cornerback last year. He got drafted by the Patriots, declared early for the draft, went in the second round. He's a really good SEC corner, was a really good SEC corner. Also lose Ladarius Wiley in the secondary, who gave them a lot of versatility in the back end. Um, so, man, like, you're right. I'm, there are some concerns here. Up front, they do have a couple guys to watch for. Day, Dio Odeyingbo uh, is a guy who played a good bit last year, and he's he's probably the closest thing to an explosive player defensively, especially on the defensive line. Drew Birchmeyer is a guy that played a little bit for them um, uh, last year. Both had solid seasons, as, as and they started a lot of games last year, so you can call them first-year starters last year. You call them returning starters. And Vandy hopes they can build off of those guys from last year, but, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. They have a couple guys with a returning experience at safety and Frank Coppin and Tay Daly. Daly's pretty good at run support. He was second on the team last year with five and half tackles for loss but man like i don't know man i think there's a strong argument to be made that vandy lost three 
three or four of their best defensive players last year. I, I really believe that. Uh, and the thing is, like with a program like Vandy, when you lose impact players like that, or at least as many, I don't know if impact players, but six starters, like does a program like Vandy replace those guys easily? No, I mean, you saw how hard it's been for us to replace Roquan. I mean, we've recruited at a high level. So imagine a school that hasn't. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt guys, I got some numbers to back this up. Kurt, you're right. Um, it's just difficult for them to replace those guys in one year when they recruit as poorly as they do. In the past four years, there have been 56 recruiting classes in the SEC. There were 14 teams times four classes. I suck at math. I think it's 56. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but out of the six lowest rated classes in those 56 recruiting classes over the last four years in the SEC, Vandy has signed four of them. Vandy has signed four of the lowest six-rated classes in the SEC over the past four years. They just simply do not have the inventory of quality players to make up for, to compensate for losing three to four of their best players in one year. You just They don't have it. So uh, they do have some guys that can make a big step. You mentioned Dimitri Moore. I think he could take a step this year. Odi Yingbo can take a step this year. But I think we should have our way with this defense. Is that fair? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of how we go about attacking them. So, Kurt, let's talk about that. If you're James Coley, it's your first time calling plays in a couple of years. How do you go about attacking this Vanderbilt defense in game one? I mean, I think you could do anything. I would honestly use the passes because you know they're going to try to, uh, I mean, not the passes, you know they're going to try to sell out to stop the run. But, I mean, it's going to be hard when you have a, a th- th- three-year starter in Jake Fromm. So I'm gonna, but I am going to use the run to set up the pass and to play actions and things like that because you're going to get them biting because they're going to try to be aggressive and come out stopping you. They may even play, try to play some tight bump and run coverage and things like that. So if that's the case, I'm going to challenge them. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. You're right, man. And, and like. It's going to be interesting this year when we talk about game planning with Jake Fromm at quarterback. I'm sure we're going to go in there with a game plan, but Fromm is going to have so much control at the line of scrimmage. Like what Coley might call initially could very well be changed the line, right? Yeah. So it, 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 I, honestly, I, I just trust Jake Fromm along with, in conjunction with James Coley to get us into the right play. At this point, for, that's what Fromm does well. Uh, that's what he does best, I should say. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. I think I, it's going to be interesting. I think with the new wide receivers, uh, I'm really not worried about them. But like we're still working, we're going to be working those guys in the first couple games. So to me, with that being the case, it just makes too much sense to come out and establish the run early, especially with the issues Vanderbilt had at least, at least uh, last season stopping the run. We'll see about this year. Um, and, and Moore is good. We mentioned he's good, and Odingbo is good. But we, come on, with our offensive line, with our skilled players in the backfield, we should be able to assert our will as this game goes on uh, on the ground. But really just do what we do. Establish a run early, get the wide receivers some easy catches early to get them into a rhythm with Jake, and then as they have to sell out to stop the run, as you mentioned, Kurt, start taking shots. So they're going to go to bump and run, right? Yeah. That's what Derek Mason, like, he's very much in line with what Kirby's. Like, it's weird. It's eerily similar, offensively and defensively, how they try to do what we do. I'm not trying to say they're copying us, but it's very similar philosophies. Uh, they just don't have the talent we have. So I, I think at that point, you start taking some shots down the field and you hit some explosive plays. I, I think you got it right there. Uh, but all right, moving on. Uh, we've got a couple more things that we want to do here before we check out. Uh, next up is something kind of new that we're adding to the game preview shows this year. We're going to uh, pick some over and unders for this specific game. Uh, these are over unders that I have set. Uh, I did not get them from anywhere. So if you don't like them, blame me. Uh, I'm playing the odd maker, the odds maker on this show. Uh, and let's start with the Georgia offense, Kurt. Just kind of rapid fire here. Maybe a quick little explanation. Um, so over under or the offense here, over under 250 yards passing for Jake from, he had 276 last year. So I'm sending the over under 250 in week one. I'm going to go over because I think that they are going to try to get him more comfortable and some continuity with the receiver. So I think they know what they have running back for the most part. And I mean, you could even throw in yards to the receiver or to the running back starting there, but I'm going to go over. Yeah. And I think we might have some receivers that want to introduce themselves to the world and let them know that our receivers are, are okay. Right. 
Uh, I think Jake is just going to be ready to, to, to light them up. And they were bad against the pass last year. Lose your best corner. Lose Ladarius Wise, the guy that was a versatile player for them. Uh, I could definitely see over. Jake was dominant against them last year, so I could definitely see that. Uh, all right, over under 100 yards rushing for DeAndre Swift. Under. I think they may pull him before. They may pull him, and like you know, there's been there's been work from beat writers that he's not going with the first team out there. Maybe and he was he was in a black for a practice here or there, so maybe he's I, I and I've heard he might have a link, a little bit of a hamstring pull. Well, I don't know that for sure, guys. I haven't I don't have that confirmed. I've I've heard that around town a little bit here in Athens. Um, so maybe a combination of him not being 100 percent healthy and just being uber careful. Um, and I think if we get up early, you pull him, right? Especially if he has any kind of injury, right? Yeah. So I'm going under with you. Uh, ne- stay with the running backs for a second. Over, under, five carries for Zamir White. I'm going to go over because he may potentially get some carries and clean up duty. Yep, that's exactly what I'm, I'm saying. Over, and that's that's me. I don't want to assume anything, but thinking, predicting that we're going to uh, at least pull away in the second half by the fourth quarter. want to get some guys some carries in live action. Like Zamir, you want to get Zeus some carries in live action, really test that nail. He's done in scrimmages, but you got to do it in a real game. So I'm going to go over. Not too much over, but over. Uh, over under three catches for George Pickens. I'm gonna go under. Yeah, I could see him having like one or two big catches, you know, like a big a big play here or there that makes you go wow. But I mean, I think three might be the number, might be a push, but I'm gonna go under two here. Uh, I think there's, I don't know if he's gonna start, and uh, we'll be rotating liberally at the wide receiver position, and we might be pulling away late. So uh, I think I'm gonna go under. All right, over under 500 total yards for our offense. We are at 560 against Vanderbilt last year. I'm gonna go over. Yeah, I think our offense is going to be better than it was last year, which I know is tough yeah, I to say. Going to try really, not as bad as it sounds, but run it up. So I'm trying to get, you know, Coley's going to try to just. Do you think Kirby works. will do that to Mason? They're they're kind of buddies. Well, it's not that they're trying to run it up, but they have to see what works and what doesn't against a, a better opponent than what they'll see for the next two weeks before. You play game. to a standard, right? Yeah, played with, and our backups are good. Let's just—I mean, when they go in, like we're going to let them play. I think uh, we did that last year for the most part. Uh, and finally, for the offense, over under forty-one points, which is last year's point total against Fandy. Um, I'm gonna go over. Yeah, I'm not gonna go crazy over. I think we could push fifty. Yeah, I think it's possible. High forty, somewhere between well, forty I think and fifty. Kirby also sees. I mean, look at uh, Alabama Saban. He gets the benefit of the doubt by blowing out opponents as bad as it is. Yeah. He, I mean, it helps. It does help, and maybe and maybe Vanderbilt's improved defensively this year. We'll see. I don't know, but man, they were just so bad last year. They lose six starters off that unit. And you could say, well, yeah, the, well, they were bad last year, so they got to be better. Well, if the guys behind them were better, why weren't they playing last year? You know what I mean? It's yeah. just I don't know if I buy that. We'll see. All right, uh, a couple more here on the defensive side of the ball. Throw out a few more over under three sacks for us on this game. In this game. Uh, I'm going to go over because I think Kirby's going to try to create havoc. Yeah, I think we're going to get up at some point, and they're going to try to play catch-up, and um, that could lead to some opportunities to get some sacks. I'm with you. Uh, Over under four members of the 2019 class, don't necessarily have to be true freshmen, uh, but four members of the 2019 class see action on defense in the first half. Uh, I'll go over. I am too. I mean, I think I I feel confident saying Nolan, N'Kobe Dean, uh, Johnson, uh, I, I think DJ Daniel might start at corner, right? Yeah. And I'm 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 also gonna throw in uh, I'm gonna throw in Walker on the defensive line. Trayvon yeah, Wa- okay. Trayvon Walker, I'm gonna throw him in there as well. He's he's really making some waves. Uh, I don't know if he'll start. I don't think he'll start, but he'll, I think he'll get in there maybe on third downs especially. All right, over under 321 yards allowed. That's the number we allowed Vanderbilt last year. 
I think you're gonna maybe potentially be over just because first time game under um, new offensive coordinator. You don't exactly have tape on them with that coordinator, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't know what we're gonna be having. True. Um, I'm gonna. Only- I'm sorry, I didn't even cut you off. Go ahead. My bad. No, I, I, I mean I think that's about it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I mean, I could definitely see over. I'm going to go under. I think we're going to be better defensively. I don't think they're going to be as good offensively, even though they do have some returning playmakers offensively. The corporate situation is a major question mark for me with, with this Vanderbilt team. Uh, if they didn't go for over 321 with Kyle Schirmer last year, I know it was on the road in Athens, but come on. What do you say, 80% of that stadium is going to be red? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm going to go under. I could see over, though. I don't know, I'm not too confident in that. Uh, we allowed 13 points last year. We beat them 41-13, so over under 13 points allowed. I'm going to go over right at 14. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like I, that's what I'm thinking. Fourteen to sixteen, um, somewhere right there. Um, but I could see the under. But I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna take the over right now. Uh, all right, Kurt. Uh, before we get to uh, your game prediction, give me one quick key to this game. What do we need to do to win this football game? Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing is going to be tackling. Okay. Yeah. If you just if you make your tackles, especially you're gonna stop the big play from happening. And I think that's the only way Vanderbilt has a chance of beating us. Yeah, big plays, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's great, man. Um, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna similar similar similarly go with that. Wow, that was a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna say protect the football. Uh, Vanderbilt has a few dudes. We talked about it, but not enough of them to where they should like be able to hang with us for all four quarters. If we don't do things to help them out, like. I know this sounds crazy to a lot of you, but they could beat us. Like, I mean, crazy things happen in college football. Uh, the same Purdue team that lost to, at home to Eastern Michigan last year, remember what they did at Ohio State, Kurt? Yep. They beat them by 30, okay? It's a crazy sport. Wild things happen. But for something like that to happen in this game, we are absolutely going to have to help them. We are going to have to turn the ball over like crazy. Miss tackles like you said, Kurt, as well. We're going to have to give them easy scores and just downright play as poorly as we can. It's possible Highly unlikely, but anything is possible. Uh, so let's just not give them any reason to hope. Play a clean game and we win, right? It's that simple. Play a clean game and we win. Um, all right, Kerr, so quickly here, man. Um, what's your prediction here? Uh, I'm going to go with a Georgia win 59-17. All right, 59-17. I like it, man. Uh, I'll get my prediction later this week, uh, but... I'm going to give you guys a little taste with my trusty confidence meter, dusting it off, bringing it back out today. Uh, look, we talked about it. Vandy has some players, especially on offense. If we aren't ready to play and we look as sloppy as like Florida did last weekend in our first game, which is entirely possible. You can't discount that. Vandy could keep this one closer than a lot of us expect for a quarter or two. Uh, I mean, it was 7-3 after the first quarter last year and only 21-6 at halftime. It wasn't necessarily tight. Like It wasn't really ever in doubt. But it was closer than most of us would have probably expected. That could happen again this year. They have some guys that can make plays and create matchup problems. But like if we are who we think we are, right, Kurt? Like if we're truly a national title contender, game one or not, we go into Nashville and take care of business like you're predicting, right? You just do. Uh, I think we are that good. So I'm going to go into this game with an eight on the confidence meter. We can't just roll our hats out there and expect to win. But if we come out and play anywhere close to as well as we can, like anywhere in that neighborhood, we should win this game without too much difficulty at all. But um, all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. We really appreciate everyone tuning in and listening to us here. If you like what you heard here today, there's going to be a ton more of it all throughout this 2019 season. Check us out on Podbean. All you got to do is subscribe today. It's a quick, easy process. 
Go to our Twitter page, at Glory underscore UGA. Click on a little profile link. Uh, pull up our Podbean page, a little yellow Buy Now button. Click on it. Boom. Type in your information. You're good to go within a minute or two. And you get access to all of our content throughout the entire football season, what should, what we hope will be a very special season. We'll see. A lot of, a lot of football left to be played, but we hope big things are in store. But uh, thanks, guys. We really do appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>